go. What's up? Rich Ryan here. Reinforced Running Podcast. We talk about obstacle course racing. We talk about running. We talk about strength training. Today, we're talking about strength training. My main guy, the big homie, Josh Reed's back. And I was thrilled to have him. We had a great conversation. We're talking about core training. Things that you should do. Things maybe you shouldn't do. Things that you can do to make you look good. Things you can do to make you perform well. We touch on the whole gambit and how to kind of make that fit into your training program. Love a conversation. A lot of nuance to core training that we might not always consider, but we dove into it. We did the whole deal here. So we're going to talk about core. We're going to talk about getting strong. My guy, Josh Reed's back. Let's get into it. And we are back. I'm super excited. I'm so excited. How are you? Good morning, brother. I am. Uh, I'm very good. I'm very good. It's great to see you. You look beautiful. Thank you. You too. We both have new haircuts. We both have new haircuts. This is an, it's yeah. great. It's a great day. So today, aside from haircut talk, we are going to talk about core strength. And this is something that I am excited to get into because it is obviously spoken about a lot and there are definitely different methodologies to kind of follow. So I think this is an important topic to kind of dive into because there are different purposes to talk about core core uh, strength and, and how to implement the things. And dude, honestly, I must talk about core strength so much. And I think I've told you this before in like a text conversation, but my phone will change the word and A-N-D to abs, A-B-S. Abs. <laughs> All the time. Like it literally does it. So I'll be texting people trying to say the word and. So my phone thinks I say abs. <clears throat> more than I say the word and. And and is like a pretty common word. I say and a lot. And, uh, and uh, no, you're not one of those people that really does that. There's like the pausey things like and, um, y- you know. But like there are times in sentence structure where and often needs to be put into a sentence just when I'm talking about multiple things. And I talk about multiple things. Start replacing and with as well as start sounding more sophisticated, swap it out. Uh, maybe maybe I will. And like, if it'll try to change it to something else like muscle, as you mean muscle here. It's like my phone just knows I'm a meathead. I'm What's like, that word that means with as it like sans, right? Like sans, like something sans <laughs> this means without. And now yeah. you can just replace and with abs and it, it'll just, that can be a, it's a new word for it. And how would it look? Uh, I will take a quesadilla, abs, cheese, abs, chicken. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think so. that's basically what happens. So a lot of times I got a preface after I screw it up and I'm like, hey, this just auto corrects because I talk about core all the time. So I figure we're going to talk about core <laughs> on this podcast since I'm always texting people about it. So it it, it actually the, the core conversation is a little bit more complicated than it should be. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to train your core. Um, some are better than others and they serve different purposes. So I really want to dive in and, and, and talk about it and really kind of give some good direction and what to do, maybe what not to do or, or, or what, what you're doing and what it might be and how it might serve you versus like how it might, like there's not too much core training that's going to be like detrimental, but the, the purpose of it might be different than what you might be doing. So I want to break down all the different parts of the core, explain what would be good for obstacle course racing, what's good for running and also just kind of like how to train for it. So I want to give through all those different blocks. So let's just go ahead and define what we mean when we say core. So Josh, like in like in general terms, what do you call the core? I mean, I feel like it's something that can be have like an obscure definition. I, most people just think of like, like six pack abs, mm-hmm. like core, like the core of things like this It's the center. It's literally, 
it's like the midsection more or less, but like the core is the structures that make up the lumbopelvic hip complex. Mm -hmm. Uh, that includes like your lumbar spine, your pelvic girdle, abdomen and hip joint. So there's a lot more to it actually than most people might think. It's not just like the six pack. It like, it does include your hips. It includes even like your lats. We can talk about that in a minute. Totally. Yeah. And that's like, that's, I'm glad you brought up, uh, the, the lumbopelvic hip complex and essentially, you know, it's just like detaching your arms and legs and head and like that could be like your core and the lats are that that's an interesting part. Yeah. I'm glad that you did bring that up as well. Cause that'll be interesting to kind of talk about how that pertains to the core and really what that looks like, because like, what, like, how do you use that without like, how do you train for that without using your like arms? Like there is a way to kind of engage in that. Right. But like, there is still like where, like, what does that training look like? How does that benefit everything? So like, why is it important? Like when you think about it, or if you were to explain to it, like, why is this like helpful? Yeah. So I mean, like the core is where the body center of gravity is, is located and it's where movement originates from. Yeah. So, so that's pretty important. <laughs> I mean, to, to use like an analogy, like with a, with a tree, a tree can have awesome, like an awesome root system and a beautiful canopy of leaves. But if the core of the actual trunk of the tree is weak, it doesn't matter how much nutrients it can pull up from the roots. It doesn't matter how beautiful the canopy is. It can get blown over and snap in half. So yes. you got to have a solid trunk and core system so you can utilize those roots and enjoy that canopy. Absolutely. And like, it's just going to help a lot with just the, the control of your posture, like being able to perform different skills and movements and just like, like making you more energy efficient and just being able to help with your performance, right? Like everything kind of stems from there. And if it's not a focus and if it's all not kind of coordinated together, you're going to be leaving performance on the table and you are also going to just like not produce as much force uh, within your running stride, within like your ability to lift things, to get over obstacles. So it is very important to, to work the, the, the core area. So I want to go over the different kind of areas of the core and like then kind of dive into some different ways to train the specific areas and like what that looks like in practice and how you can put that into your own training and like, you know, what frequency and everything looks like. So first let's talk about like the, the transverse abdominis. So like that, their job is to tense up the abdominal wall and kind of put pressure like in the internal organs and the abdomen. And it really stabilizes the pelvis and the lumbar spine. So, and that is like underneath the kind of like show muscles. So it wraps around like your entire trunk, but like underneath the, um, the obliques and the rectus abdominis. So, right, they're so you not, never see it. You never, you see, never it. see it. You just feel it. You just you must feel it. So like when you think about that, like the, the transverse abdominis, Josh, like, is that good for OCR? Is it good for running? Hell, hell yeah, it is, man. <laughs> totally. And it's like the main thing, right? It's like having that stable pelvis and lumbar spine will pretty much affect everything that we do. Um, so when it comes to being like sport specific, like this seems like the way to go. Um, so when you think about that, like how do you train the uh, transverse abdominis, those intra abdominal muscles? Right. Yeah. So, so that's a really cool and unique muscle. Cause yeah, it attaches like directly to the spine, the lower back and the pelvis. And that's also part of uh, it gets grouped together with some other muscles that are part of this local stabilizing group. Um, 
They're responsible for stability uh, and work to limit excessive compression, shear, and rotational forces between mm. the spinal segments. Um, and it, it's doing that work with like internal obliques and uh, the pelvic floor and the diaphragm too. But that is something that you want to have doing good work when you are lifting something mm. uh, or even running downhill when your hips can be be very jarred and want to do a lot of shifting. So this helps kind of lock the pelvis and the spine or at least give them control. And so this is also super important because your whole body, it's a communication system. Um, the brain is, is helping the arms and the legs communicate and the cores in between those things. So if you have something going on with your arms, your core is translating that energy, that movement, so that the legs can do what is appropriate to counter and vice versa. So if they have a weak, a weak uh, link in that, in that chain, you're going to have poor movement function, as you alluded to earlier. Totally. And it's like the amount of coordination, like you had mentioned, and what like being able to control, like running downhill is a great example. And, and even just running on flat, like where totally. when you start to get fatigued, look at the hip rock in some of those people. Mm. Exactly. And like how it turns into like that anterior pelvic tilt, pelvic tilt, and you'll get that lower back arching. And then like your back becomes really like tight and like your hip flexors will also be like really tight and can kind of just like lead to injury. Like if you have more control of that intra-abdominal pressure and being able to kind of move your pelvis with the, by training the, this muscle group, it puts you in a better position to be more efficient and to be, you know, and to ideally prevent injury. I mean, there's injury can come in a lot of ways, but some of those specific ones where like movement specific injuries like that anterior pelvic tilt, um, can really be avoided and can really be trained for this. So, so this is really interesting because it makes me think about like class or uh, uh, categorizing these, uh, the function of the abs in two different things. We have like, uh, we have our ability to move. So it's uh, like dynamic function, movement pattern, mm -hmm. uh, efficiency, but then we also have what, what I guess we can call postural awareness. And so postural awareness might be the relationship between your, uh, your torso and your hips and something like anterior pelvic tilt. Mm. That is when you are kind of out of alignment. So postural awareness, we can think of as you're in to say a plank position and you know, to slightly rotate your hips, kind of pull the navel in and you're kind of solidifying that position that way when things get dynamic and you're running down the road or doing whatever it is that you're doing your body kind of knows how to hold that position and that's a strong stable position so that all the peripheral uh peripheral stuff can occur in a more efficient powerful safe manner yeah yeah that's a good way to put it i mean it's kind of like just training like what's familiar and just like writing those motor patterns as to like what feels good you know, right. Like doing the positional or like, uh, the positional training so that when it comes to the dynamic, that's a great way to put it. And that's a, and that's a really, it's a good way to just to justify doing some of these workouts that or some of these movements that aren't necessarily sport specific, um, to train that pos uh, the, the posture of things. So like you mentioned planks, what other, what other type of movements would you, um, kind of consider for that? So for the, under that, uh, categorization, uh, and going to like the tiers of the core for working those local stabilizers. Uh, I like to, I like to prescribe for myself and others planks, arch body, uh, bridge, uh, even strong hangs. You're starting to use the lats and the strong hangs. So it's getting a little more global, but still it's an opportunity to practice this 
this position where the navel is kind of drawn in. There might be a little bit of bracing to a degree. You, uh, I think a plank is underrated and beautiful. It's such a simple thing to do, but you can practice that posture, get familiar with that posture, breathe into that posture. Um, and then that like, that can translate to when you are then again, upright. So being in a plank, feeling that uh, pelvis pulled up in the front a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the navel's pulled in a little bit. It's tight, but you can still breathe down to there. You're training yourself to be able to breathe and nourish yourself with air while you have a strong, uh, you're, you're in a strong, stable position. I like these. And I like, let's double back on these a little bit. Let's talk, let's talk about a plank, the plank a little bit, just cause. Let's yes, walk it's, it. It's, it's let's walk that <laughs> plank. It's, um, cause it's super helpful and, but it can kind of become less challenging. I do want to talk about the strong hangs as well. Uh, and just to kind of reiterate like what that means and what that kind of looks like mm. but for the, for the plank, right. You mentioned, you know, having that pelvis tilted, um, posterior pelvic tilt. So kind of like making sure your butt's tucked underneath, making sure there's no dip in your lower back so that you are braced in. A lot of times people can kind of sink into their hip flexors and then it's just more of like this passive positioning where it really shouldn't be. And ideally, I mean, you can do a, a max plank and that's it, more for like, I don't know. That's like saying like what your fastest, like 800 meter time is for obstacle course race. Like it, it doesn't really matter, but it's just kind of like, cool. Have you ever done a max plank? I, uh, I have, I did that. We were blasting some like German techno or no, it was Rammstein. Yeah. We were laughing our ass off the whole entire German time. Something. It was, it was just like a drop out, like last man standing. I'm pretty sure I got beat by this chick, Vanessa. She's, uh, she's this German powerhouse. Uh, but yeah, we went like eight minutes eight minutes and then she kept going that's yeah. really really solid right it's very like, very difficult <laughs> it's crazy and you start shaking you're trying to get every energy piece of energy there uh within that movement but eight minutes is like crazy long but like and like the world records what like eight hours yeah. yeah like so i mean that's just like holding that position and ideally if you are progressing this and like overloading a movement like I don't think it should be longer than like 20 to 40 seconds. You know, so, like- so that's really interesting, right? Cause the, the different muscles of the core, we have different layers, we have different things uh, involved and, you know, we have like our fast twitch, slow twitch. So when it comes to something like those, uh, those local stabilizers, most of them are slow twitch muscle fibers type one. And so mm-hmm. they do respond good to like some of those longer holds, but I think that most people would consider like an endurance set typically would be like 60 seconds at least. And then like, they're just like from a practical standpoint, that shit is just boring. Like who wants to just hang, <laughs> who wants to hang in a plank until it actually gets hard. And maybe that's three minutes in, you're just sitting mm-hmm. like, it just sucks. <laughs> you know, like totally, totally so figuring out ways to make it harder so you can overload it more efficiently in the course of your workout is like really helpful. So just even doing things like moving your elbows, like, oh, like toward your head away from your midline and, and yeah. holding that proper position, you know, just extending the position a little bit will mm-hmm. make it much more difficult. Um, you could add weight, but again, that becomes kind of, it's just like a little awkward, but like you can do it. But again, it's, it's just, it's still kind of like holding it. How would you make a plank harder? Yeah, actually, you know, for some reason I'm thinking about a uh, Cassidy, Epic Cassidy. She does a great job at doing videos online and showing people various progressions. Yeah, hilarious. And stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's funny too. Um, but yeah, starting out on your, on your knees. So you can just get that pelvic position solidified and get used to that particular positioning. And then once that's easy, so you can hold that for a minute, then kick up maybe even just one leg or, uh, or, or mm. both legs. If you can pull that off and end up doing that for maybe 20 or 30 seconds. Cause the thing is, is you're trying to solidify a good positioning. So you don't want to like listen to 
uh, you know, someone tells you you're doing this for 60 seconds, but you find yourself falling out of position at 30 seconds in, it would behoove you to just stop there, rest, totally. and then do it again instead of get familiar and like get strong in shitty positions. Exactly. You know? uh, 100%. Like, yeah. I, I think that that's, that's crucial for this, like, because there is no like reason to hold it longer than you need to because it can really, really, the form can really get sacrificed and like you're not doing yourself any favors yeah. like it's just i think like, that's getting more popular fortunately i think that people are realizing like oh you don't just have to like burn yourself out doing really high reps working super duper hard so you just can't lift the bar anymore and you don't mm-hmm. even realize that 30 minutes ago your form started to fall apart mm-hmm. you know it's better to uh to reduce stuff so you can do it all in a super quality fashion and totally. that way when it does come like time to like close to your race, then you start hammering it out and your body just knows how to move well. So you're less likely to fall out of uh, good form. But, uh, and with that, yeah, like, yeah. So figuring out ways to make it harder without, with good form. Um, if you got to like one thing that I've kind of like to do, and we've talked about this before, like the, like the kind of like strong first, uh, hard style abs where it's like really focusing on the breathing and kind of like pursing your lips together as you breathe out, like kind of like a type of like mm-hmm. breath it really helps with that pressure into your abdominals and you'll feel it like hardcore. Everything kind of squeezes in and that's just like this max contraction um, as opposed to just like kind of hanging there and waiting. There's really focusing and squeezing in that core area. And and again, that's going to kind of create that mind muscle connection there as well. So when it does, when you do need to brace, whenever that happens, if it's, if you're doing something dynamic, like you have the ability to, to summon that and actually like flex in there. So I think that that's really helpful. So I would, I even use reps sometimes when it comes to um, planks, just doing like rep, like five to seven reps of those breaths, as opposed to sitting there for 60 seconds, just being like five of those like pursed mouth, hard breaths so that it can feel that squeeze. And then a little bit of tension as you breathe back in and then squeezing back. And I thought that that's, that's a pretty effective way to, to train the plank. Dude, I like that. Yeah, that's super valuable. Getting to know how to like actually feel the brace, the brace there with the breath. Yeah, totally awesome point because that will become super important as you start to do like like a heavy dynamic, like a deadlift, kettlebell swing. Yeah, totally. Like yeah, just kind of training that. The um the ab wheel. You ever mess with that? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've used that once upon a time. Mm. They sold that as like a, a may uh, as seen on TV. Do you remember when they had like this thing? It was it wasn't so like the ab wheel is just literally like a, a wheel with two handles that like mm-hmm. you roll out and then you roll yourself back. But this one that was made for TV, it like it like you roll out and then it was like it was like a spring spring loaded. So like when you would come back, it would like help you. Mm-hmm. So like it made it much more accessible, and they just like jacked up the price for it. We had one growing up, so it was pretty cool. Um, they're they're really effective, and they're essentially at the same that's way. Super duper tough, that really, one. really yeah. hard. And there, that's another way to really uh, progress the the plank to a harder difficulty is using that abu because then you can really get out in front of yourself, and 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 then it's using that movement and being dynamic as well. Um, one thing you do want to focus on with that is a tip that um, is kind of keeping the cat back, like arching your back, like almost really high all the way through like your upper back and lower back. And as you are uh, rolling out away from your, your core is maintaining that position Mm -hmm. because it's really easy with that movement and with the, um, the momentum that you're gaining to sink down to let that, let, let that belly button draw down. And then you end up kind of pulling it back with your lats, which Again, is part of your core, but 
isn't the the target that you're looking for. So if you're able to hold that cap back position the entire time and bring it back, you'll feel it a lot in your midsection um, and not necessarily in your arms or lats or anything like that. So um, keep that in mind. Our, our guy, Nick Riker, just posted a video of him doing a pretty good example of, of that, like starting from his feet too, like rolling out standing. Have you tried that? Strong. Strong. Uh, I don't think I've done that with the wheel, but I have a, uh, I have a mace. And so I'll just like hold that out in front and I'll kind of walk my hands down down it and then oh, back up it that's, that's really really hard too that was fun that's incredibly hard like with like you see people doing that with like a, a dowel like having it sideways and kind of like working their their way up mm-hmm. um but yeah same same type of deal um Yo, couple more. I, I, was, I was just thinking though like really good point about so that would, this would be super important with what you just said when you're in a plank you can probably get away with with kind of like the bare minimum some moves require you to do more just by their nature. Um, and one of the things that I think that that rollout would really, really demand of someone, at least to do things safely so they don't get a hernia is like being able to control and squeeze their pelvic floor. Mm. Uh, because you, I mean, you're creating intra-abdominal pressure. And so the pressure is going up, it's going down, it's going out. So that includes your diaphragm, that transverse abdominus, and it also includes your pelvic floor to kind of contain all that pressure. And that's what's helping to stabilize your spine and the pelvis. Do you do much targeted work for the pelvic floor? Mm, yes and no. It's one of those things that at this point, it just kind of happens naturally. Um, something that that's nice is that when you are doing a plank and you kind of pull in the navel a little bit, it almost happens kind of automatically to some degree. Um, but yeah, you definitely can. I mean, uh, you know, it's like, it's Kegels. It's you're Kegels. just like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like the muscle that keeps you from peeing yourself. <laughs> if everyone has that problem, right? So <laughs> we, we know, <laughs> you know, we know what that feels about. like. <laughs> yeah. But that's essentially what pelvic, uh, there, there's a whole line of experts who are, are focused on the, the pelvic floor. So it's a big topic, right? It's not just as simple as doing Kegels, even though it is part of it. And it's not something that you're going to do unless you're mindfully trying that just like literally just, and that's kind of how you train it. Like, like tensing where that pelvic floor region is, and then just releasing and any type of like, it's, it's almost like training it like an isometric. Um, I don't, I've, I just kind of do it when I think about it, like during the day or something, I don't necessarily like think about like, okay, now it's time for pelvic floor work. I probably should. Uh, women in particular, it, it's, it's an issue that can happen. And especially after, um, someone, uh, a woman has given birth, like these are definitely really solid exercises to do for one kind of building back up that, that the core in general is, is starting at that pelvic floor. Um, but men can definitely benefit from that as well, but I haven't necessarily put it into good practice. One time I even downloaded an app to like remind me to do it. And like, all it was, was just this like person being like, okay, now hold and release i was like okay and then i was just like sitting there doing nothing just holding the kegel stuff i just pictured like uh like 70s and 80s aerobics like people in this like in bright tight uh, spandex yeah <laughs> change it to and my hold. workout change it and to my hold. workout clothes to do the kegels um so that's a good that's a good uh call though so like if you are feeling like discomfort down there like this is something that you can definitely explore and like i said there's experts who are not us, definitely not an expert in pelvic floor talk um, that you can kind of look into. And it, it's definitely a, a good thing to consider um, with. So moving on to other exercises, cause there's a couple more and like, just to kind of put a, put a bow on the plank, like, yes, it's a great place to start. That's like, everybody knows what that is, but I would say if, if you're getting to 60 seconds and it's too easy, like don't just keep going 
try something harder. I think that's just the main thing. Any like anything, pro- like progressively overload uh, that that movement to make it more and more difficult, just so it's not just, just so you don't avoid them. Mm-hmm. You know? I think uh, with the notes that I have written down here, I think it makes more sense to kind of do a wrap up of movements and their progressions towards the end, but definitely have some some things to uh, upgrade that plank. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Um, so, okay. Some other things that we'll just kind of touch on with, with that, these similar type of training here. I love the hollow hold, hollow holds and hollow rocks. I think you mentioned, I think you called them rockers or, or what do you call them? Oh, so, uh, you're, maybe you're thinking of, uh, so arch bodies, like when you're, yeah. when you're prone, you're on your belly. So that's more for like the spinal, oh, oh, yeah, the oh. spinal erectors, uh, lumbar. It's like a Superman, like a Superman position Yeah. or no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like hollow hold, which is, uh, which is the opposite, like put right. like flipping over onto, onto your back. Um, and then it's also the, like something that's in a similar vein is like a dead bug or like a bird dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so dead bug, we've all seen like, this is, these are one of the classic runner ones where it's like, you're laying on your back, your knees are bent at like 90 degrees and your feet are off the ground and your hands are straight up above, uh, like your shoulders and your face. So you're, you're, you're laying there like a dead bug and then you drop alternating <laughs> uh, arms and legs. And this is a super effective and really difficult exercise when you're thinking about doing it right. It is mm-hmm. the easiest exercise and least effective thing when you're passively doing it. Um, and like this, these are ones that are commonly, this is something that's like commonly brought up. I think PTs love this one. I think that you'll see this in things like runner's world or like when you search things like best strength exercises for runners. What do you think? So what do you think so good about it? Yeah. Because it really helps with the pelvic, um, pelvic control and just the stability. It really helps like, cause that's what you're training there is making sure that that lower back stays in a strong position and that you are in that anterior pelvic tilt and that you are able to hold a stable, um, position throughout your hips. The, the, the bird dog is a little bit, um, it is a little bit more of that cause we, that you're in the opposite position and you're reaching your hand out in front and your leg behind. And so right there, like it's obvious when your like hip starts to hike, the idea is you want to keep your hips directly pointed to the ground. And so they, they don't hike up. So you're able to kind of control your pelvis that way. Um, the dead bug is, is, uh, is nice because it does work a little bit more that intra abdominal. So you have to press your lower back and there's some tech, there's some like tactile feedback you can get from the ground. Like if you're doing a, a dead bug and your, your back starts to arch, like if you could slide your hand on, under your lower back, you're not doing it right. You really got to press that lower back down and just maintain that position the entire time. So that, that is really good feedback. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like if you're doing it and your back starts and it doesn't feel like it's doing much, it's because like you're not pressing the, those abs against each other. Um, do you do these much? I, uh, I definitely do bird dog. Uh, 3.2 point is a mm-hmm. kind of an upgrade from the bird dog to a degree. Your, the cool thing about bird dog is like one, uh, one leg is very flexed and then the other hip is very, like very extended. Whereas like 3.2 points are both just kind of extended. One just mm-hmm. gets lifted off the ground. But, uh, mm-hmm. but the idea is like, yeah, you're working things contralaterally uh you have to yeah keep your belly button kind of pulled up and in that's the one thing with the bird dogs i noticed is it's really easy mm-hmm. or it's easier to let the lower back kind of dip down as you try to get the back leg up really high um which is why i actually think that the dead bug is a really good thing to proceed that with to get that feeling you kind of need eyeballs on you with the bird dog you know like you can't re- or, or video yourself doing it just to see like where what's happening with your lower back and what's happening with your your hips. I think that's why uh, like PTs do like it because they can um, they can visually see where like the dead bug you can feel a little bit 
a little bit easier. So I agree. And like bird dog, like, yeah, you need some sort of progression progression to, to make it more difficult as things go, but it's a good, it's a good like one to kind of get back to basics, just to kind of like, kind of even also like check up on how like that stability and how that control is working within your pelvis. Uh, maybe just to do it like once, once a, a month or something, just to see like how hard it is, you know? Dude, honestly, I, uh, I give both myself again, myself and the people I work with, I have us doing simple stuff like planks every single week. Uh, but that's also that, and that supplements the dynamic movements like kettlebell swings and deadlifts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to have both of those things. That way you're always kind of checking in, making sure like, up oh, this is the posture I want to hold. I want to be strong in this posture. And then you take that posture and then you, well, you take like a, several postures and you move dynamically through several of them in a second, but you're efficient at, at holding all those postures as you move mm-hmm. through them super quickly. So I think there's always like personally, I think there's always a place for some of these simple movements. Totally. Always. Great. And that's like when, when I'll program for something like that, it's I'll kind of use it as like superset. Like they'll do a movement and then they'll, they'll go into some, one of these type of like isometric type of holds, um, mm-hmm. just from a, t- from a time perspective and just to keep the, 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 the program a little bit easy, a little bit more interesting, you know, like when you, when you put all the core for me, anyway, when I put all the core at one spot, it's like just not that fun or interesting, but it's like a good way to kind of move it in and out. And, um, again, helping people with that position. So agreed on that. Um, Cheers. Anything, what else? <laughs> well, we have, I mean, we have the tiers of the course. So we talked about like the local stabilizers, what they are, kind of what they do, some movements. Um, then we have, we have like our global movement system and then we have our straight up movement system. So let's talk about the global movement system. All, All right, right, let's do it. Word. So, so the global movement system as by definition is attaches the pelvis to the spine and it transfers load between the upper and lower extremities. So, and it provides stabilization during functional movements. So we have, we talk about like our local stabilizers that helps build like uh, intra-abdominal pressure, helps stabilize the spine. Um, something that you can notice when you're doing a plank, when you're doing a deadlift, you have to have that pressure in there. So the global movement system, we're talking about uh, where, where that includes like our hip flexors, our rectus abdominis, which is like the six pack. Like that's what you see. Mm-hmm. Crunches, sit-ups. That's like, that's what you're seeing right there. Um, but also like includes the glute meats and adductors which is super duper interesting. So, right, this we're kind of expanding on the typical idea of like what core is. Core is just six pack, like obliques, right? right? Now we're talking about like the things that all integrate into that pelvic area. Hmm. Yeah, so this is more, this is more like more real world application of the things, right? Like, okay, cool, you can do a plank, but what does that mean in terms of moving through space and like picking things up and like calling on different demands? So when you're thinking about the, 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 this global system for your core, like, are you doing targeted, like, how do you train that? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So, so again, local stabilizers, we're doing more like isometric stuff, really focusing on positional uh, awareness and building strength in those, uh, and abdominal pressure. When it comes to global movement, we're talking about movement. So things like Russian twists, uh, bicycles, mm-hmm. Uh, sit-ups because when you do if you just do a crunch like i don't really think that anybody other than like wrestlers or, or uh jujitsu uh athletes should be doing crunches when they're because they're on their floor you know they're on the floor and they have to lean up but mm. really that just does the rectus abdominis like at least when you're doing sit-ups you get to use like your psoas and your rectus femoris your hip flexors in conjunction with uh with the rectus abdominis but uh, sit-ups side planks windmills windshield wipers uh weighted overhead marches it's really you're just getting dynamic 
Got it. So much. So it's more in terms of just yeah, putting different pieces together as opposed to just like sitting in in one position. So even like the dead bugs and bird dogs can kind of fit into this this global kind of totally totally yeah hmm. i mean right there, there's tears to this there's tears to this uh one of one is like you're kind of still it's isometric then one you get a little bit more movement and then one gets like super global where we're talking about huge lifts that connect uh, hands to heels like a deadlift or a kettlebell swing yeah you know so there's different tiers to these things and they all kind of they all have their place for sure because they all work synergistically so you can move super duper efficiently now when you're kind of putting this together are you like uh Will you have like a primer would be isometric and then kind of moving into something that's a little bit more dynamic and then into one of the, the, the full body type of, you know, swing or a deadlift or something like that. Or how does this kind of like fit into like uh, your training or like some programming? Yeah. So uh, I like to have a day that's pretty much like it's a, it's a short routine, 10, 15 minutes. You're going to do, you're going to do planks. You're going to do something that's isometric. You're just going to be able to spend time in a posture, hang out there, breathe, I'll, I'll write in the notes to breathe. But then we will have some stuff that's a little bit more dynamic, whether that be uh, uh windshield wipers. I really like, they're great for the lumbar spine, great mm-hmm. for the hip flexors. You're laying on your back. It's almost like uh, everyone says they love it. Cause it just feels great. Like it's a little bit of work, but it actually just, you're like massaging your lower back. And that's where your leg, time. your legs are, are, are straight up like in a leg lift and just they're going side to side, like a windshield wiper. Yep. You got it, man. Yep. And then, uh, but then things do get more dynamic. Uh, like I, whether that's a 3.2 point or uh standing trunk rotations, which is a super aggressive move, which is pretty much for people that don't have uh, like a med ball, they can throw at a wall. You're starting mm-hmm. to like produce more power, starting to move very quickly. Uh, windmills are awesome because you're in a standing position. You lean over again, lumbar spine, obliques, big time there. That's, and that's typically, yeah, the windmill is like if you press a kettlebell up over your head, mm-hmm. right? And then yep. you're, you're, and that's a good shoulder stabilizer as well. And then having to like, like really lean down and essentially, do you, do you target to touch the floor on a windmill? Ideally, that depends on the person. Go down to where you feel like you have control and you can breathe. And then you're working be- some hinge as well, right? Because it, it doesn't, isn't that a hinge back and it kind of like a, mm-hmm. a tilt down to the side? Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely, it definitely challenges the mobility. So it's like important to just go down as far as you feel like you have control. Um, I've definitely gone too far before with like too much weight. I'm like, ah, uh, my, my back would have been like, Hey man, you went down just like an inch less would appreciate that. My shoulder, <laughs> my shoulder gets wonky. Like it'll get out of position and then mm-hmm. I'll be like compromised and be like, Oh shit. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. They're a little scary. They're a little scary. I, like I would definitely scale up to something like a windmill for sure. Mm-hmm. So those are like, so, so for me and for others, like those are some fairly simple movements. Like you move the idea for a lot of these, other than like that ballistic one where you're moving back and forth, the standing trunk rotations, everything else is like smooth and controlled. There's a lot of thought goes into it. Cause just like a musician, like you want to play the notes slowly before you play it quickly. Cause you can play it quick and it sounds great, but you slow it down. You realize, Oh, my timing's off. It kind of sounds shitty. Mm-hmm. So in movements, like do some slow movement find that control your brain like makes these connections oh this is how we move so when you speed things up it's flawless and so ultimately these work in tandem right like the isometric ones and like the and the 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 global type system like these can all be worked in in like the same type of routine um and probably should right yeah i see i see no reason why they can't all uh, happen in conjunction i mean usually before deadlifts People are going to do uh, like like some toes to bars, some uh, or, or or windshield wipers hanging from the bar, which makes things a little bit more difficult. We're talking about getting the lats more involved, which is fitting for something like a deadlift, where the lats mm-hmm. also help to stabilize the spine totally. uh, and the pelvis. Uh, and then yeah, with other moves uh, like do the Turkish get up. Oh my god, so best move because you're under so much tension in various directions, like you're on the floor pushing forward and then to the side and then straight above. Uh, very dynamic 
I've said it before. I'll say it again. I, I can't really think of another move that leads to better body communication, just cohesiveness with all of the, the limbs. So for the Turkish getup, I don't want to go through what that movement is because like, it's just like it's choreographed dance essentially, yeah, right? Yeah. Like if you don't know what it is, like look it up, um, practice with, you know, they have you start practice with like your shoe on mm-hmm. like your fist. So like you can get everything stable, but it's like, it has different, like a ton of different elements that put all together. So people do say like, yeah, it's the best core exercise that you can do. Um, why do you think that? Well, uh, you, uh, let's see you, there's bracing involved. There is torsion involved. There is the unilateral nature, um, which increases the amount of like lat contraction and, uh, like oblique, uh, interaction because it's like the spinal stabilization. Um, yeah, like I said, so you're pushing forward, like rectus abdominis there. You start to twist, get more into the obliques, hip flexors are involved and lats are involved the entire time. Then you stand straight above and you're in that bracing position again to handle that, gravitational like squish the squish weight as uh as, what, what does his name say dave or mike miraglia yeah it's squish, squish, weight. squish weight yeah, yeah. it's like uh one of the robert o- oberst said that's always his his overhead squish weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then you have to reverse it and you have to breathe throughout this entire thing so i uh, it seems as i'm thinking about it, i'm like that's pretty much every single m- muscle under the title of core is involved there yeah and then and usually, and that's super controlled. And then that's like almost always followed up with swings, which is super ballistic. Mm-hmm. Like that's your dynamic. That's like hamstrings, uh, uh, quads, the bracing muscles, the lats, all of that is involved in super fast, super fast nature. Right. So it's like a slow and the fast. And it's like the simple and sinister program, right? The, um, the, with the getups, it's, you know, it's cause even with one of these, like, is- like these isometric moves, um, like you still feel it in your core, Turkish getups, like you don't, you know, Do, like it's, it's, it's hard to like wrap your head around like how it's helping, even though like, yes, it's, it's super functional and like it, it pertains to the real world and it's going to make you strong in a lot of ways, but like you don't feel it. I, I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. And yeah, you know it's I mean? super different from doing like the, getting that localized acute feeling of like doing a bunch of crunches. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always find myself like when I'm done with a set, I'm like, wow, my entire body is kind of tired. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's certainly taxing. And another, it's also scary. <laughs> so it's another one that's kind of like, uh, like, I don't look forward to doing them. They're really fun when you like nail it. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun when it's over. <laughs> dude see, that's how that's how it was for like the first few weeks when i was learning but then once i realized like oh i got this shit now i was just so excited like i'm i'm amped up to lift it every time now because it feels like a boss movement how do you load it like in terms of like like how heavy or like or or in, in terms of total volume like how do you go about doing that is it does it need to be boiled down to you know overload with with weights and, and progressively moving it through um can you do it with reps um how do you typically you know load the turkish getup yeah i follow the uh, simple and sinister protocol so it's never doing more than really 10 reps in a session uh because again it is taxing and you end up being under tension if you're going like slow and smooth and really paying attention to everything you're doing you're going to be under tension for about 30 40 seconds right. um and you want to start out like light enough where you can actually do the move, but it has to be heavy enough. So you get like that feedback. Uh, but anyways, yeah, no more than 10 reps, usually imam fashion. So you do that, you get like 20 seconds of rest, switch, get a few breaths, go into the other side. Uh, and then loading, like I'm doing, I need to get a heavier, uh, heavier kettlebell 
for right now I'm doing 32 kilogram at uh, 70 pounds and I'm about to go do two reps in a row. So it's like after you go back and forth and give an arm a rest, the next step would be to like do the same side twice in a row. So then you're under tension for like, you know, a minute, a minute 20 on one side and then you rest and go to the other side. Mm-hmm. If it's light enough, you're saying. If it's or light that, enough, yeah. You know, like when is it to get flat, get past plateaus? Yeah, like when do you know it, when when is it too late? Like if you can do like five in a row, like when is it too like not enough? You know I, mean, I mean, if I if I can do all ten reps and like it was a piece of cake, I had no trouble breathing or it didn't break a sweat. I'm like, okay, I was ready for more. In which case, I would go to like the two reps on each side. Uh, and then if I can do, if I can do three reps on one, one side and still not be breaking the sweat, I'm like, I for sure should get a heavier weight. Yeah. Okay. But you can do other things too. Like, I mean, it doesn't, it, we're getting into a different topic, but it's like, yeah, you can get to the top of it and do a press and then go back down. Sure. You know, you can add movements within it. Do, yeah. it, it. Like you said, it's a dance. It is. It's literally a dance. Like you have, like there's different parts and it, it is completely choreographed, but it is fun once, <laughs> once you kind of like nail it. Um, Dude, one time, like, this is way back when I was, like, first starting CrossFit, and, like, this was, like, prime, stupid CrossFit workouts. This guy was, like, yeah, one time for my recovery day, just, like, 50 minutes, AMRAP, Turkish get-ups. I was, like, dude, what? Like, that's, not, that's not a recovery day. That's, that's insanity. Yeah, it's, like uh, – but that's that was crossfit recovery it was mm-hmm. do you remember it was i don't know if you remember but it was like main site would be like monday tuesday wednesday was like metcon kill yourself kill yourself kill yourself thursday was like your rest day and then the rest of the days were kill yourself days maybe sunday was a rest day but yeah so 50 minutes turkish get-ups don't do that just please don't do that but definitely look this up and if you haven't done turkish get-up like try it like it is you can do it with a dumbbell also peeps you can do it with a dumbbell totally you can do it with a barbell you can do it with a barbell you yeah, do a person. Have you tried it with a barbell? I have done it with a barbell. I don't know if I loaded it. It just takes up so much room. And like I was in a gym. And so yeah. you're moving around. Like the thing wants to twist a little bit. You need a lot of space. You might hurt somebody. Yeah. You might really, really hurt somebody. Not recommended. Um, definitely, definitely not recommended. So yeah, I'm glad you did bring up the Turkish getup because it is, it is pretty sweet. And it's a reminder to me, I got to get back to do, to doing them just so I'm not scared of them all the time. Um, what else don't be scared Anything else uh, for the turkish get-up? <laughs> that that i mean really the, the uh turkish get-up got into like that last movement system like the the final tier of core which really integrates everything like all of the limbs because again the core is attaching your upper extremities to the lower mm. extremities something like the get up like st- even a standing overhead press there's a lot of communication going from hands to heels uh, mm. and the core is translating that so uh but just to kind of brush through it that final system is the movement system. We had our local stabilizers. We have our global movement system. We have our movement system. And those are the muscles that attach the spine or pelvis to the extremities. Lats, hip flexors, hamstrings, quadriceps, blah, blah, blah. But that's really where we're getting into those full body dynamic movements. Deadlift, right. Turkish get up. Yeah. Which which is, you know, why they say that those are the best core, like core exercises. Like, yes, the deadlift, like if you're going to be strong, you need to be really strong throughout your core, um, swings, squats, even like, yeah, you're going to generate a lot of, uh, core power in that. And that, that makes sense that that is kind of like the last step in putting it all together and a really great way to train your core. Right. And that's, that's why like a lot of times you'll see people say, it's like, Oh, I don't even do ab exercises. And they just still are like rips. Like that's another like CrossFit thing. I think people say, um, but, but they don't do ab exercise. They're not doing crunches and stuff, but they're doing hella total bars, muscle ups. Yeah, totally. Yeah. They're, they're working at bur- burpees, you know, burpees, burpees are a ridiculous, um, core, like, uh, rectus abdominis workout, you know, you're lifting those legs each and every time. Um, so yeah, those are really the best, uh, like, 
and they're going to be that's again that's functional that that term didn't isn't didn't just like functional fitness didn't just come from nowhere like these are movements that are going to like put everything in 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 use everything all at once and going to be things you're going to be doing like if you need to pick something up like the core is going to help and doing deadlifts is going to be a functional way to train that um so we talked about kind of how it all kind of gets put together and some of the best ways to kind of do that. And like all the things that we talked about, they're really going to make you a, give you a really strong core and, and broken all the way down. But let's kind of talk about some of the other ways that like the traditional, like kind of way that you might think about training your core. And we talked about those six pack muscles, which are the rectus abdominis. So let's just talk about that a little bit, right? Because that's still part of the core. It's something that is in the mainstream. It has been forever, even though like it, a lot of times it is coming back more now to the kettlebell stuff and like, you know, functional fitness type things, but there like, is there still time and place to do like sit-ups and <laughs> all, all, all these other things. So like, let's talk about that a little bit. So yeah, you mentioned earlier, like the rectus abdominis, like is the show muscles and that's, that is essentially your six pack. And it's directly in the front. It's from like your, your pubic bone up to like, like your mid, like in the middle of your ribs, like almost all the way up to your sternum. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's what you see in, in a six pack. So is this good for OCR and running? It can be. Mm. Number one, it looks good. And if you can psych your opponents out, look good, run good points for you. Look good, run good. And there's, there is kind of something to that, um, that we can kind of touch on, but, uh, yeah, I think, like, uh, I think a couple ways on this. Like, I think there is part of obstacle course racing where it could be sports specific that you might need this, like getting the legs up over a wall, or like if it's something in like a DecaFit event where there's actually sit ups in it, mm-hmm. or like when doing OCR stars, like that was something for me was a huge limiter. Like, I, I, I I wasn't, that's where I burnt out during like toast bar, like, and I couldn't do it. So like, if an event is calling for that, I feel like that it is appropriate to, to do these things. That's like CrossFitters will do GHD setups. And then they'll, at the CrossFit games, there will be GHD setups, right? Like, so it's just working yeah. a different system that, yeah. that you can use. So if it is sports specific, I do think that it's reasonable to do. If it's, if it's sports specific, for sure. But let's just, let's like, let's point out that. For something like the GHD sit-ups, they're usually doing it with like a, a ball or yeah, they have to reach like all the way over their head. Yep. Like we're not just the six pack there, right? We got like hip flexors are involved. The lats mm-hmm. are involved there. Like you're doing all those total bars, you know, lats, rectus abdominis, that six pack's doing work for sure. But like hip flexors big time too. So mm-hmm. like ass. Yeah. So it's all these things in conjunction. So I'm like, would you, would you do crunch? Like if you knew you had to do total bars, would you do, do crunches? Cause like it's part of the, it's part of the musculature that's doing the work. Or would you just do total bars? I would probably do like a ground because like, then there's like, there's a limiter there, right? Like, like your hands could get tired. Your, your, your probably lats wouldn't burn out, but like you could, you'll get, you'll be able to do less work Mm. um, with total bars by themselves. So I I would do something like a, like leg thrusts on a bench, which is just like sitting on the edge of a bench, allowing your legs to kind of dip down below and then kind of doing like a, 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 crunch together mm. um to still target like those lower abdominals uh because that's what toes to bar typically are going to be not as much upper where like the crunch or a sit up is going to get a lot into that upper so i'll do stuff like that or um 
or GHD setups for that matter, or doing like stability ball setups where you're still going to get into that hyperextension and all the way back into flexion mm -hmm. um, and just kind of to load your your um, abdominals a little bit more, but because your shoulders do get below your your hips. So then that be, kind of becomes the load where in a toes bar, like you're lifting a load, which it's your toes, it's like your toes, <laughs> your legs to, to that bar. So any th type of loaded exercise, probably. Um, what about this? What if you needed to do like in terms of power, like generating power, right? Like having some sort of relative strength and coming up with absolute strength when it comes to toes to bar. Do you think there is a place to do something like weighted crunches, like which would be a cable crunches or, 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 or even weighted crunches, whatever. And doing that in sets of like as much as hard as you can do for like two or three reps, like as heavy as possible so that your absolute strength through your rectus abdominis is improved because it's just like any muscle, right? Like it's not something that needs to be done. You don't need to do a thousand crunches. You could do, you can train it like you would train anything. Mm -hmm. Um, muscle fiber type, notwithstanding, like it still will respond in a certain, certain way. What do you think about that? Like, do you think if you get really strong and powerful, like if you could do those cable crunches for like a set of three, as hard as you can go without compromised form, do you think that'd make you better at toaster bar? I'd have to go into practice, but I think so. I think, I think more so than if you did not include them. Yeah. It wouldn't maybe hurt something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's something more, a little more attuned to like the motion of, of toes to bar, like, uh, like, like ankle throwing ankle weights or, uh, with, with, with those leg thrusts, you can stick a, a weight in between your feet. Right. And you could do, and to do like your lower abdominals, I guess as, as well, like to lift that up. Yeah. Weighted toes to bar as, as I could see as well, or just doing it really strict. Yeah. Or yeah. Once you get fatigued, go from toes to bar to just hanging knee ups. Like literally you're just kind of hanging and lifting your knees up. Dude, Atkins does a million of those. Are they? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause that you could look, you could load that as well. You can stick a weight in between your, your thighs. Right. And then, and, and just do like sets of three to five, something really heavy. Um, and that oh, word. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you know, I'm actually something I'm interested in. Um, I haven't gone to it yet cause I'm just in the middle of a power program right now. Um, uh, but that is like Taylor Cruz does maximal contraction isometrics. Right. So explain that a little bit where he, he, he'll kind of, Explain what that looks like. Like a maximal contraction isometric would be like going under a door frame, putting your hands up into it, and then compress, like trying to push the door frame away. It's not going to move. It's like right. it's literally nailed to the rest of the house. But your feet and your hands are pushing away from each other, and so you just have like maximal pressure that you can withstand, but you only hold it for a few seconds. This the, I was just looking at this exact same concept when it comes to grip grip training and like the two different types of like isometric holds you can have with something with grip, where you could either be trying to resist the ability to resist the your your muscle from lengthening right so if you're doing a single like a like a, a dead hang like an elbow bent dead hang like the forces it, you're trying to stop yourself from lowering down you're trying to stop that eccentric loading mm -hmm. but if you just like are holding on to a ton of weight or something and you're trying to pull yourself in that isometric fashion just how you're saying with it what, what does he call it a max contraction isometric. Right. It'd be like the same thing. Only instead, only it's all concentric and you're not doing the east and you're not trying to withstand the eccentric movement and you're, you can, cr you can generate more power for longer that way. Um, it's a little funny to set up. That's a good example of like pushing against an object that won't move. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but it will, you'll be able to have more power and it wouldn't be as damaging to the muscle as well. Cause it's more in that concentric. Um, right. That's really, see, that's the cool factor about it is right. Since you're not going through like the, uh, since you're taking out the, even like you, like cycling, you can cycle a lot. Cause it's all like, all like concentric. Um, mm. but just, so, so just like the fact that we're removing the eccentric portion, right. We're not like damaging those muscle fibers as much, but you, if you're putting maximal effort out, yeah, you're recruiting. I mean, in, in like practice, you're, recruiting as much muscle fiber as you possibly could. Do you think that would work for like a sled push? Like if you just literally were put like in a, a pu- sled push position against a fucking brick wall and just like push as hard as you can for 10 seconds and then just flip sides, like that should work, right? It should. I actually do. That's what you said. I did this like yesterday, or the day before in my kitchen. I just like literally put my hands on both sides of the door frame and got into a stance with like some grippy shoes and just push as hard as I could for three seconds. Just because gr- you, you just had to get out energy. You're like, fuck, I got to do something now. Yeah, I was like, oh, the door frame's right here. So might as well. But like, but the one thing, it actually almost comes down to like the psychological nature of things. And I'm reading a book on this right now. Uh, by uh, Mark uh, Ripto and he did like beginning strength or, or, or starting strength. strength. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. So he has another book called it's like practical strength training. And it's just like a library of a shitload of different ways nice. to strength train. They're all good, but it's like, which way do you want to do? So anyways, right. um, but, but what he said is that one of the issues when it comes to either like maximal loading or some maximal loading is it becomes more psychological. Like if, if you know that you can deadlift 350 and you have 300 on the bar, you're like, Oh, I know I can lift up for like three or four times. Mm-hmm. But if you're going for, uh, uh, power reps at 250 pounds, are you really putting as much effort into that as possible? Because it's lighter. It's like, do you know how to engage as much muscle fiber and, and move that way as quickly as possible? Or is something going on in your brain? It's mostly in the brain. It's mm-hmm. like, ah, I'm not moving as fast as I really could. I'm moving pretty fast. I'm not moving as fast as I'm pretty good. And then vice versa with uh, something that is immobile. If you look at a brick wall, you're like, I can't move that. You're no longer looking at something like, yeah, I can move that. And you know how much effort it takes. You might not try as hard. Um, but that that's a little more of a difficult thing to quantify. Yeah, I was. Yeah, like, how do you know, right? Like, mm-hmm. you really have to be honest with yourself and just like be know a power plate. Yeah, I know, right? But like, for the sake of it, you just have to kind of be honest with yourself and be like, "Well, I'm doing this for this reason, so I'm going to push this shit as hard as I can." Um, and even though like, you, you probably just feel stupid, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it's probably like, "Ah, this is silly. What am I doing?" Um, yeah, that, that's an interesting. It's, the whole that whole idea of that is is pretty interesting but that, that that's funny that you mentioned that because i always think that when um training people in person when there would you could you could see this psychological barrier like happen you know like the 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 movements everything looked great the the weight moved smooth and fast and as soon as it gets to that like pr point or you know it happens with the the number changes as well Dude, yeah know, like, like breaking the five minute mile yeah, exactly. It's, it's so mental. It's so mental. Like going from 200, doing 290 to 300, like just that flip of things is, is, I wish there was a product that like covered the weights somehow. And just like, there was, <laughs> you weren't able to know what was on there. You just like every rep was at every rep you had to do. Um, but then, yeah, that's training that, that the ability to do that, to, to do every rep to the complete integrity of it every time, which you don't. <laughs> you know, like, have you ever, have you ever had a client? Cause like some people don't actually count the weights. They count on the trainer to like, yeah, you put on 
what's appropriate for them. Have yeah. you ever put on more weight than than you told them? Uh, sometimes. Yeah, I've totally no. done that, dude. I'm like, you're just lifting like 115 for a deadlift. Yeah, you know, a tiny person's never deadlifted before. And they're like, whoa, really? Wow. I'll tell them like after. I'm like, I'm like, well, that was more than you ever did. And they're like, oh shit, wow. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. it's just so it's not like this big thing. They're like, all right, here we go, PR time. It's time to go. Yeah, Smelling salts. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've never done that. Have you ever done that? No. Uh, I'm curious. Me too. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know Is if it, I'd like anyone it. listening. Have you have you done the salts? What's it like? Tell us. Should we try? Would it? you recommend it? Should we do what? it before a race? <laughs> um, I forgot how we got here, but we we're talking about. Oh, I was talking about the cable crunches first. But those are that's something that I wanted to to talk about. Like how if you are going to train, and there's something about the. Like I, I said, it just kind of screwing around, but like look good, run good. Like that's not that like untrue. Like if you feel good about yourself, like you probably feel better about your performance. And sometimes these, you know, the the six pack, eight pack, 10 pack, whatever, it's it's an indicator of the work that you put in and the fitness that, and how you're feeling like in that moment. You're right? flexing your abdominance, <clears throat> you might say. So when we're training these, these, <laughs> so when we're training these, uh, abdominals, there are, there's a certain practice, there's certain things that are going to help you get stronger in those areas. And we mentioned like, it is like any of the muscle, like, so you can train it for hypertrophy. You can train for growth in your, in your abs, right? So like the, the standard practice of doing, you know, a thousand sit-ups, like you're out of the realm of hypertrophy there. You're out of the realm of power. You're kind of in that muscle endurance thing. And then you're, you're, you're probably just overworking, you know, going for, going for that American psycho look. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so there, so we, when was the last time you trained for like, do you do, do you do much of this? Do you do much like straight up like six pack work? I uh, no. I, uh, I go by the mentality of like my body is going to look the way it needs to look to perform the way it needs to perform. So I do the movements now where my body looks, it's just kind of like how it looks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I used to be more in this sort of bodybuilding things, but yeah, now I just do the movements for functionality. When you did the bodybuilding stuff, mm-hmm. um, what would you do? How would you, like, did you have go-tos? Oh dude. I, well, I mean, calisthenics were, have like always been a staple, but yeah, I, was, I definitely was including lots of sit-ups. So yeah. Three, like 300 sit-ups a day. And Joe, you know, for sure, like six pack came about real quick. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing these type of movements, one thing that I want to to stress is like the proper movement of the the crunch and how to 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 really make sure that you're hitting the right spot because you mentioned before um well not not even the crunch like the, like a sit up or like a GHD or a a toes to bar there's other pieces that are going to be involved hip flexors are one of them and a lot of times when people start doing a lot of volume work the hip flexors will do the brunt of it. And so they're never really kind of feeling it where they, they should feel it. So they really, you really need to focus on bringing that your rib cage, like toward your pelvis and getting that real crunch position. And mm-hmm. we've been taught through things like power lifts, through things like kettlebell swings to keep your back in, in, in um, flexion at almost, all times, right? Or no, at extension at all times, right? So you want a flat back, um, hinge at the hips, but you want, you can get into flexion where your back is rounded um, and it will benefit your, your crunches. So like rounding that lower back to bring your uh, sternum closer to your pelvis is how you're going to target those abs. Mm-hmm. So thinking about when you're doing like a crunch or a sit up, like peeling your shoulders, like w- 
toward it and coming off the ground one vertebrae at a time. And like, you will be able to do way less reps then it becomes much, much harder. Yo, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing like the crunch and then into a sit-up. So it's like get the rectus Crunch first. Then hit those, hit them hip flexors. 100%. And like mm-hmm. Howard brings up, like if you were doing like sets of 30 sit-ups and you do it like that, you'll probably do a set of 10 and be like, oh shit. Yeah. And if you're advanced, if you're advanced, you could do that hanging from a bar, reverse direction, like knees come up. And then once you have like a nice 90 degree angle between your torso and your uh, femurs, then you start to crunch and like curl up even more, like bring the uh, knees like up to your elbows. Hundred percent, and that that yeah, one's yeah. brutal. Like I like you should. I only can do like six or eight of those before I'm like, oh, and like kind of getting that your yeah. If you do them with no momentum, super mm-hmm. hard. If you can get your your butt to kind of tuck under to get that last little bit of that pelvic tilt to get those abs up, that's a great way to target those lower abs. Um, one that's that we were talked about with the power training just a second ago is is the cable crunch. So like that's where you'll be kneeling and you'll have uh, at a cable machine. What are, what is the the like the rope called with the two like where you do tri- tricep extensions? Do you know the name of that thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? Ah, I'm not, it's always called it the rope. Yeah, so it's like yeah. the rope with the handles, um, where you can have it with both hands. And if you've ever been to like Globo Gym, I'm sure you've seen people doing these where you're on your knees and it's like you're kind of crunching toward the ground. But this one is so easy to do wrong because <laughs> you just you, again you're in your your back is completely flat and it's all hip flexors and you just and you can do a shitload of weight that way and you can do a bunch of reps. But if you just focus again on that crunch mm. and really kind of crunch down, loading it up, like you, you, you'll feel almost like, like cramping and like spasming, like in your abs, like right away. Um, so it, it's really a good target. Um, and if you're going to be doing a lot of this, this targeted work to, to make sure that you are hitting it, um, using like that reciprocal, uh, inhibition is a great way to like figure that out. And what that means is like, if you flex, one muscle, the antagonist muscle on the opposite side of the body it will relax. It's just like this phenomenon that we have in our body. So like if you are doing core work and you really want to make sure it's going to hit the direct and you want to turn off your hip flexors, like if you squeeze your glutes really hard, like then the only way you can really get up is by using your, um, your at your abdominals. So that's just a way to make sure like doing something like the cable crunch, even doing something like an, a regular crunch. If you're doing, a, a crunch on a ball, like on a physio ball, like making sure like that your, your hips are elevated by squeezing your glutes. And then to make sure like that you're getting those shoulders all the way back behind the ball and then crunching all the way forward. Um, it's a great way to kind of build that up. Nice, nice cue. Bust out that reciprocal inhibition. Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Fuck yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I would, and like, again, kind of keep it in the, in that hypertrophy rep range, eight to 20 reps. I think is plenty. If you're going over that, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, so what's our conclusion on like the way, like how should people walk away from this podcast, physically walk away from your phone and, and, and execute a core routine? That's a good question. Cause that's something that I do want to talk about as well Is like, what's the frequency look like too? Like, where does it stack up? Like, how do you fit all this in? Um, I love what you said about like working it into like, just like a, like having it be like that 10 or 15 minute routine where you're hitting a bunch of the different things where you're hitting some isolation, hitting some of the global network and doing all, all of that. And then, and then moving into dynamic movement when, when you need to, just to make sure it is all encompassing and that you're hitting all the spots, um, because it is going to translate into pretty much everything else that you're doing. So like starting it from the jump and just making sure that you are, um, activating everything and, and feeling ready to ready to go on that end. Um, what do you think? Like, what is a good way to kind of structure things in? 
So I think I think that people should hit all of these, right? You have different you have different ways of attacking these. You have the isometrics and you have more dynamic movement. Um I think that getting in something even as simple as your planks in regularly, and regularly might mean uh a couple times a week. Some mm-hmm. hardcore people do it every day. Like wake up uh, a one minute in the plank, just kind of like get in that position, breathe. It's part of your meditation. It's like as casual as that, but it's effective, right? It's kind of like greasing the groove sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like real practical application, give yourself 10 minutes, warm up for a workout by doing some core movements, have some diversity in there, do uh, a little bit of a plank, focus on being in a good position. If you have a mirror or someone to help you get into that position or even better, actually, Rich, like you said, um, get into the hollow hood position so that you can get that feedback of the lower back in contact with the floor. Do that first, then go on to planks. And then follow it up with your dynamic movement, whether that be uh, toast bar, deadlift, uh, uh, pl- uh, even even your plyometrics. Actually, we didn't touch on that at all. But, you know, a lot of like single leg stuff that requires hip stabilization, core is involved there. Don't mm-hmm. be, you know, everyone out there, if you're moving your body, you're using your core to a degree. So I guess we're just kind of focusing on some of the more, more targeted uh, stuff, specific yeah. targeted stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I would say like minimum, minimum twice a week for the, uh, for the isometrics. And I say minimum twice a week for the dynamic stuff. And they don't necessarily have to be on the same day. Um, like core before stabilization or, or, or core before doing a, like, uh, a leg routine core before or even after your run. You know, I don't think the placement is always super duper necessary. Right. Uh, but sometimes it does make more sense to get yourself primed up with some core movements before some big, global compound movements yeah and then like it's just easy to to skip again from a practical standpoint like if you if you push core to the back you're just probably not going to do it it's <laughs> like that's why I, I like to kind of filter it in with like supersets between like you know do pull-ups and then do hollow holds or some shit like that you know like just something mm-hmm. that is keeps a little bit interesting makes it part of the program is is easier to follow um i like two days a week is perfect two or three i wouldn't i wouldn't go too much more than three in terms of targeted like Mm-hmm. Um, then, cause again, like it's like anything else. So you don't, it's not, you need to rest to recover, to kind of get the, to kind of get these benefits. Um, and I like to kind of put things in as imams, um, like 40 seconds of work and 20 seconds of rest between the, so if something like hollow holds into a bicycle crunch into, um, like a side plank or something like that, like that's good work. And it's also, again, it's a little bit interesting. Uh, it, it'll make, you know, 12 minutes go really fast in your routine. Um, so I really like doing EMOMs with these. I think that's a real good practical way to, to kind of put those in place. Yeah. I've become a huge fan of EMOMs and like E2 moms. It's just such an easy way to keep tracks. Not like trying to calculate 60 seconds from the 36 second. That mm-hmm. me at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> keep things simple. It's a good way. And a good way to kind of keep, <laughs> keep accountable for like the tempo of things. Like it's like, you want rest here. You want less rest here. EMOMs are the bomb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at training peaks right now for uh, for one of my folks, and it's like we have core warm up before deadlifts. Then next day we have no strength on that particular day. Uh, next day we got some stabilization going on with the legs. Core is involved there, but it's not focused. And then the day after that we have uh, Turkish get ups with uh, kettlebell swings. So it's, you know you have Turkish get ups, lots of core there. Then the uh, kettlebell swings serve as that dynamic, very powerful core function uh, and then two days later we got core after that so core is technically in a sense focused on three days but the day with the kettlebell swings it's like it focuses but not mm-hmm. you know yeah it's focused like it's it, going to be stressed significantly yeah. and it's, but you're not doing crunches right 
And it's not something that is going to feel like you're doing core work. You know, if you're doing deadlifts or doing core, but you're not doing right. core. So I think like targeted core, I think like, yeah, like you said, two or three days a week is, is probably as good as, as it can be. And I think that it, it should be in place of it. It should be as part of the program, no matter what you're doing. Um, and if you're not just figure out ways to kind of work it in, like you, like just whatever that is, whatever your hangup is from doing this, like just figure out ways to slide things. in. there's so many, we touched on so many different, different pieces of, of like actual movements that you can do. Like you'll find one that you like, you know, dude. Yeah. There's variety. My right. gosh, there's a buffet. There's a buffet of movements. So it's safe to say that Turkish getup would be your, the one that you would just, if, if you I could only, if I could do one move for the rest of my life, it would probably be the Turkish getup. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I got to get back. To <laughs> I got to start doing them again. I, del- I just, that's something for me. I'm just like, ah, fuck, I don't want to do it, Let's but see. I'll do it. I'll bring Point it to it. Accountability. He said it. It's time. He said it. Um, cool, man. All right. Well, anything else you want to do with, with core stuff? Nah, dude, we, uh, we, we danced around, we played around. I think that people have better insight as to what the core actually entails. And if they didn't know what to really uh, do or how to dance around applying it to, uh, to their program before, Hopefully they do now. And if you don't, hit us up. Hit. Tell us we didn't do a good job of telling you. <laughs> hit us up. Tell us we're terrible. Or give us a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts. That'd be great. We'd love that. Five stars. Five stars. Cool. <laughs> All right. Where can people find you? Uh, still on the Insta. J-A underscore R-I. Or wait, no. J-A underscore S-H-U-A underscore R-I-E-D. That's me. Rich. Holla. Baby. Reinforce underscore running underscore rich. Check us out. Check us both out. On the obstacle racing collab, the obstacle racing collaboration. Yeah, that's us, baby. I was gonna say it if you didn't. Nice. What's um? What's your next race, dude? Uh, so I'm getting ready to. Uh, it's not an official race, but I'm getting ready to Everest uh, at the end of March. I'm gonna Everest on skis, so I'm just putting in yeah. crap loads of. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited because uh, I'm like that for sure is going to happen. It can't get canceled. There's mm. gonna be snow somewhere, and I'm going to go up snow on my skis. Uh, so that'll be cool. And then I'm really hoping that Jersey happens. Uh, yeah, the, the beast at mountain Creek. Cause that's just like, that's my favorite. That was my first ever. It was my first. Um, and then I really hope high rocks happens and that's it for spring. So yeah, I'm, I'm and you, um, similar to both. Like I was considering Vernon. I've had a hiccup. I haven't really run for like three weeks feeling better. I'm doing a lot of like rowing, a lot of biking, crushing that stuff. Um, I just don't have the, like, I just need to put in more volume for it. I was doing um, some rowing intervals, like some 2K row intervals. Yeah, my body just breaks down first. I just need to sit my butt on that rower and just like do more rowing, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but I like it. Feels good. And everything's starting to feel better, doing a lot of strength, feeling all right. So I was thinking Vernon, but I'm not sure now. And I was thinking High Rocks mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, right. Because it's in New York City, it's indo- and yeah. it's indoors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like a weird mm-hmm. one to to really count on happening. Um, did they did High Rocks reschedule the the showdown that was supposed to happen between like Hunter and uh, and, and all the Instagram uh, people, and Atkins, and a bunch of other people? Yeah, yeah. The um, it was supposed to be this weekend, and it's April now. It's April. Yeah, okay. sometime in April. Yeah. Um, and what's your thoughts on the Spartan Cross? Did you see? I am I so I like it for multiple reasons, okay? I I like it because it's going to be easier for them to put on 
mm-hmm. because it's, it's a loop format. Uh, and so you would think that, that would make things cost a little bit less, or maybe they'll just charge the same and include a little bit more. Oh, you mean we'll for see. us cost less? Oh, no, no. It's definitely not going to cost us. less for us. Yeah, but it's more spectator friendly. Definitely. It will be. <laughs> uh, I think Nathan used the word explosive many times, and I... I I guess I'll I'll use that word too. It's going to be more the other guy, explosive. Not, what is his name? It wasn't Nathan. It was uh, the guy on ORM. Yeah, he said explosive like four times in a row. Many, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he liked that word. He liked that word. I like that word too. It's a good word. We like explosive stuff. Um, but it, I think it would be very exciting if there's no spear that takes something out of the, of the equation there. If they make it, they can make it mandatory obstacle completion re- or reduce the penalty for failing. I feel like. I, I feel like it'll be something cool, new. It'll be very fast. It'll be very spectator friendly. And thus the energy will be very high. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. like that it is going to be spectator friendly because uh, Spartan races are not that. They are really, really hard to watch. Even if like you're active and you know the course, like it's going to be really hard to see anything ever in a Spartan race. Even like um, a stadium, it's impossible to watch. That's like even harder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's kind of hilarious. Like, where are they going to pop out next? Yeah. <laughs> like whack-a-mole. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and, and look at the course map. You're like, I don't, like when I look at the course map, I see I was like, I actually don't know what's going to, what's happening here. I don't know what's going to happen in any of this race, but, um, Spartan cross seems cool. I mean, I think that model is, would be better for a company that has like fun obstacles, like hard obstacles. Like, I think if Savage mm-hmm. race took this and just made it, and made like a savage cross and just like do what Spartan does for everybody else. And just like steal the ideas and just like put it in place. Like, I think if, mm-hmm. I think if Savage did that, I think that would be very appealing. And cause it has to be, it, I, I mean, I'm simply speculating. I have no idea, but I would imagine it would cost less like, cause the venues that you would have to, that you could put it up at would be smaller and mm-hmm. you could probably put them up in, 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 in more places, more, more easily. Um, yeah. You'd probably need less people. You'd probably need less machinery. You'd probably need a lot less of everything. Oh, big time, big time. And if and maybe they're taking out some, uh, some like the water pits. Maybe it's a dry course. Mm-hmm. Now they don't have to dig ditches and really have that kind of commitment to a location and have that sort of uh, agreement with the establishment. Like, yeah, we're going to dig holes, fill them with water. Um, yeah. People will get sepsis probably. The, they're going to be dirty, but it's cool. It's what we do. Uh, so so that'll be nice if it's clean. If there's no, uh, it'll it'll appeal to different people. And I actually really like the fact that you will see the same obstacle two, three plus times. Cause like sometimes I go through a race and I think I could have done that better. Yeah. Now you get time to like think and plot as you go through, like, Oh, how can I use people will get more obstacle proficient. Dude. I think that Logan Robin will be killer oh. at, at this format. Yeah. Anybody like, cause he is, he's ninja style and has endurance where a lot of like the ninja people don't have any of it. So you need a little bit more. That's, that's what I'm kind of. I'm kind of lost on is like, who is the athlete that this is going to like really like, cause I see this and I'm like, cool, this is good for me because it's, it'll be shorter. It'll be flatter. It'll be like faster, but it's not as good for me as like Deca or, you know? So it's like, it's kind of split. And like, this is good for Atkins because he's good at obstacles and he can run, but it's not as good as like a beast for him. Like, so, like, but like, and anybody in between, like, who, who is this, who's this good for, you know, like who, who's dying to do this event? Dude, we, I mean, we'll see who's going to be dying to do it. A lot of the guys, since they're going to be throwing more money at it, they're going to be putting the focus on it based on what the English man said. Yeah. I don't know his name. Uh, so we'll see. I, honestly, it's not my forte by any means. I'm definitely a beast guy. I don't fail obstacles, but I don't move through them very quickly either. Uh, so 
But like who does? Like who does? Who does so? Who does so well that it that it would negate any like fitness hangups that they would have in, a, in an event? Is it someone like a Yuri Force? You know, is it the Savage type racers who can move through these things really fast, or like other races that are or like it'd be like probably really good for the people who do well. Like an Aaron Newell probably do really well. Like people who do well in the but you did well in um, like obstacle like OCR World Champs, OCR Noram, Noram. Like these, mm-hmm. like the people who do well in those events, probably like the European style racers. But the obstacles aren't hard. Like I could like for someone like me who's not that good at the obstacles, like I could figure out how to do those obstacles pretty well, pretty quick. You know? Yeah, but what? But what if the courses are so short uh, and they do like back to back rig twister monkey bars? Like if we're talking about now grip endurance, mm-hmm. yeah, then you're gonna start seeing like some more of the rock climbers ride to the surface. Uh, yeah, it'll be. I think that regardless, there will be a switch up in who you're seeing in the top ten. It's gonna be a shift, and I'm excited to see the shift just for the sake of a shift. It's just weird. I just don't know who it's for. It just seems like too many. Like they didn't give the uh, the deca any time to like. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, they're putting out so much different stuff. Um, maybe maybe they think Deca's a wash. Maybe they think Deca's more of a they had no uh, events. They had zero events. None. They did all like the gym stuff, but that's not. Um, but that's not. So they got some good testing out of it. Yeah, maybe they weren't satisfied with how it ultimately went. And I think they're trying to operate Deca as its own thing. Like it's not part of like like this. Sounds like this might be part of a Spartan weekend. Mm. But I almost think it shouldn't. I think it should kind of be like how Deca is, and just like. But there's no way they're going to have enough people. But that would, they would have to hire a whole bunch of people to do something like that. Um, yeah, and I, 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 I'm worried about that, like how they're going to try to leverage the the, the pro team. <sighs> they're just going to be like, there's, we'll see. We we got torque. We don't need that. We don't need that shit. We could just do whatever. <laughs> they, they, they'll they'll draw us. But it was cool when they're talking about like team format. That'd be fun. Torque mm-hmm. team, baby. Yeah, for sure. For um, sure. Cool. All right, we'll wrap this thing up. Check us out at Torque. Check us out on IG. All the places. That was fun. That was fun. All right. I'll see you later. All right. Hasta la pasta. That was so fun. That was so fun. I've been looking forward to this talking to Josh for a while now. And this was like a really, really, really nice time. So I hope you enjoyed it again. If you did enjoy it, hook us up with a five-star review. It really helps us get found. Um, just show, show that appreciation that we would appreciate that. Cool. As, a, as always, if you have any questions, reach out to us through all the social media platforms or on reinforcedrunning.com. We'll talk to you soon. Later.